Welcome to Point Me to Jesus. I am your host, Tara McClary-Reeves, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to Dr. Daniel Blackaby. Dr. Blackaby is the author of multiple books, both fiction and nonfiction. He's the husband to Sarah, and he's the father of twins, Emerson and Logan. Interestingly, Daniel Blackaby is also familiar to many of our viewers and our listeners um, with his last name, I'm sure, because he is the grandson of, of Henry Blackaby, and he is the son of uh, Richard and, and Lisa Blackaby. Welcome to the show, Daniel. We are honored to have you. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's a privilege to be on the show. You have such an incredible legacy of love and, and faithfulness to the Lord. And the Lord has really equipped you, Daniel, with such a gift of communicating his truth. Um, already, you have authored over nine books. What would you say is your favorite to write? Probably my, the, the one that I feel, uh, this, as far as my own experience from, from writing it, was uh, Legend of the Bookkeeper. It's my, fiction, my first fictional book. I've done nonfiction, I've done fiction, but there's just something about doing my first, uh, writing my first novel, this, the, the journey that God took me on to, to finish that. And this, the, the unique ways that that book has, um, been able to really minister to people that is a very different audience than the nonfiction that I write. And, uh, just that experience of being a creator, creating something. And this, the way that that kind of just brings me in tune with God, who is the great creator. And yeah. so that, that, that's been my favorite. I, I love stories. So my definitely my, my fantasy fiction books are probably my favorite that uh, selfishly that I've written. Did your mom and dad encourage you as a child to keep a journal? They didn't. I, I think they, I know my father has kept a journal for, for years. That's the thing I've always wanted to, to do. It's never been, uh, never been disciplined enough, I guess, to, to, to do it. But uh, but they did, they did really push me just to always be reflecting and, um, you know, just thinking on everyday moments and kind of how that connects to the bigger story of what God's doing around me. As a dad, our, I know Logan and Emerson are now six, is that correct? Yeah, six and a half. Yeah. Does it just amaze you just to see how our creator God just, just designed us so uniquely uh, special and different, you being the the dad of twins, I'm the mom of twins, uh, just those personalities that are just so unique and being able to, to steward them and to shepherd them um, in a direction where they'll use their gifts for his glory. Yeah, well, being a twin parent, is this such a, I know sometimes, especially when they're younger in grocery stores and people would, you know, they didn't, their initial reaction is, oh, you must have your hands full or that must be so hard, but, but what, a, what a blessing. And especially just to, as a father, you know, they're, you know, it's crazy. They're raised in the very same house, the same rules, same uh, structure, same, uh, you know, they're just as loved. And, and yet they're just completely, my two boys, Emerson and Logan, just completely polar opposite uh, personalities, just wired so differently and see the world differently. They think differently. They learn differently. They react to uh, me and my wife differently. And uh, it's just, you know, kind of watching them grow up has just been a reminder to me that that God has us all wired differently and he has a very unique um, purpose for all of us. And, you know, I, I hope I'm, I, you know, I'm faithful as a, as a father to, to raise these two boys to be godly men, but, but ultimately just trusting that God has a specific purpose uh, for each of them. That's going to be unique to, to them. And just because they're twins, they're going to, they're on very different unique journeys. And so it excites me to see kind of, you know, already just seeing the way that God's kind of steering their life in, in different directions and kind of, 
as a father uh, is excited to kind of see where that ends up. Um, you are such a student of, of God's words, but I think you are also a student of your wife. I think you're a student of your children, uh, just very observant. Do you, with all the distractions of technology and electronics and just the world in general, um, to carve out quiet time in a day, uh, is that difficult for you or is that something that you are just very disciplined about? Because I think to be a creative as you are, you, you have to have those quiet spaces. What, what, what are those for you? Yes, uh, you know, I, I will freely admit that I, I always wish I could be more disciplined in those areas than mm -hmm. I am. And I'm always trying to, uh, to just to be more structured. Part of my kind of creative um, kind of leaning personality almost resists uh, structure sometimes. So that's something I got to overcome. But, uh, yeah. but I think for, for me, a lot of the kind of my way of um, comp I guess compensating for that is just to, to find those moments uh, throughout the day. You know, I'm a jogger. I like to run uh, marathons and, and I'm training and, uh, you know, just finding, you know, moments like that, just to pause the music for part of the run and just pray and just think and, uh, you know, just driving. I don't really, I don't listen to radio very often, just mm -hmm. silence. And, you know, I still try and start the day by digging into God's word and having a quiet time. Uh, but for me, a lot of them, probably the more impactful moments where I really feel sort of in tune with, with God is just kind of seizing those opportunities that otherwise would just be wasted by, you know, I'm listening to music or whatever I'm doing yeah. uh, and just kind of throughout the day. And that's something that I, I know my, my parents and my grandfather has really modeled to me is just that, you know, like the, the devotional times and the, the, the quiet times are, are extremely important. Uh, that is a very important kind of part of growing as a Christian, but but the Christian life is not something that, that is you know, restricted to those moments. And, right. kind of, you know, God, you, you have access to God throughout the whole day. Um, you know, if you just sort of find those moments and kind of you know, push yourself just to, to spend time in that way. Uh, so that's for me, that's, you know, that's how I kind of go around doing that. I was proud of, of your family. I, I know you and your dad uh, cheered each other along the uh, Peachtree Road Race on July 4th. Uh, Lee and I have run that as well. Was this your first experience in Atlanta um, running the peach tree? No, I think, I think this was my, it's either my fifth or sixth wow. of the year. I've been trying to, to do it every year. I've been uh, kind of a more uh, pretty active runner for, for probably the last seven or eight years. But yeah, my, my father, who I know was on this uh, podcast a, a while ago, uh, it was his first time to run it, uh, you know, with people and, uh, you know, just to kind of help encourage and train him to and that, that he can do it, that he can do these long distances. We actually ran, uh, he ran his first half marathon with me. Uh, he says his first and last uh, not long <laughs> ago, but that's just been a, a unique way to kind of connect with, with my dad and just do, you know, and be, be healthy. And uh, so, yeah, that was a great experience for us. Did you run right alongside him or were you tempted to run ahead? I, he kept uh, telling me that I, you know, I could go ahead if I wanted to, but you know, I run so much and I, you know, I've done so many long races all by myself. And yeah. at any time I got someone to, to go alongside me, I'm, I am happy to go at whatever speed they're going oh, at. That's great. And, and some, in some ways you almost enjoy it more because you're not, you're not worried about a, a personal best or really pushing yourself. You can just enjoy the experience, enjoy the crowd and just yeah. enjoy the quiet and kind of you know, the time to think. Yeah, I tell you that one for those viewers and, and listeners who don't know about the Peachtree Road Race, it's always run on, on July 4th. And it has to be one of the most humid and hot times yes. in, in Atlanta. So and, and with those crowds, I think they've had up to 70,000, haven't they, Daniel? That yeah, I, believe it's, it's, I think it's maybe the, the second biggest 
race in the world. I think they yeah. over over sixty thousand. It was a less yeah. this year just because of COVID, and uh, but still, there's a lot of people that are that are all a lot of different kinds of people all kind of yeah. pushing for the same goal. Yeah, but there's so much of a, a spiritual analogy that that Paul especially would seize on in terms of running the Christian the the Christian race, and you and your family have just been so obedient to recognize that it is definitely uh, that marathon and just the persistence and the perseverance and the lifestyle choices that you've made to not compartmentalize your walks with Christ Jesus, but like you said, to live it in, in every moment. And that's such an encouragement to all of us who have at least gotten a glimpse of your family through experiencing God and, and some of the resources. One that really impacted Lee and me that you were able to teach on back in May, my husband Lee and I were able to attend uh, the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove Seminar with you and your dad. And your part, Daniel, that I think I really wanna concentrate to encourage our viewers that are watching today, the importance of this collision uh, you have a podcast that you do. You have a, a weekly live stream that you do. You and your brother, uh, Mike, have written a book about the, the collision of two worlds that we don't need to be threatened by this world. The Lord has placed us in it uh, for a reason, and you are giving us tools to be able to bridge that gap about how to take back arts and entertainment for God's glory. Can you tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about the ministry that God's blessed you with? Yeah, so me, my brother and I, uh, older brother Mike, uh, we wrote a book um, about 10 years ago, I think. Uh, it was my last uh, semester in college. I turned the manuscript in, I think, three days before I uh, graduated college. And then a week later, went uh, moved and got married. Uh, so it was a busy time. But look, it's looking at, you know, we'd been out of kind of high school um, for long enough to you kind of hear the numbers about, you know, 70% of young adults drift away from the faith and the church. And uh, you know, that's this is a number and it's, a, it's a, obviously not a good number, but uh, when you start to be out of it long enough to start putting faces and kind of experience that number and say, you know, a lot of the people we went to church with, you know, in the youth group aren't, they're not, they don't, they're not following Jesus. They're not attending church. Some of them are, uh, you know, fighting against the church. And um, you know, so what, you know, why is that? Why do so many people that sang the same songs, went to the same camps, did all the same stuff as us? Uh, why, why haven't they stayed faithful to, to you know, the, their relationship to Jesus? So we wrote a book, When Worlds Collide, kind of looking at that, saying, you know, why, what is it about the world? What is it about the way that we, um, you know, that we're training up young adults and young people to, to have a firm faith? Why is it not standing against uh, some resistance? So we wrote that, and, and God's really used that, uh, used that book. Uh, but one of the, you know, that, that sort of set out the concept of, of kind of colliding with the world based on Jesus's prayer for his final prayer for his disciples that, you know, I'm sending you in the world, uh, you're to be set apart from the world, but you're right. also going to be sent right into the world. Uh, so we can't, you know, we can't stay away from the world, but, but, but how do you do that in a way that sets you apart? Um, some of the, you know, the follow-up to that is, you know, that's, we, we know the theory of that behind that, but, yeah. but how does that, how does your message apply to this? Or when this celebrity is preaching this, or when my kids are following this TikToker, or, you know, how, how do you actually navigate the specifics? So about two years ago, uh, working for Blackaby Ministries, I started The Collision, uh, which really is this a practical outworking of that message of our book of just helping young adults and helping parents of young adults and just helping you know people of all generations to, to think critically about culture, not always negatively, but just think about you know, what, what is coming out in these stories in, in Hollywood, uh, in the music, and this sort of the general um, 
kind of news of pop culture. You know, these things are shaping our culture. They're shaping the world. They're shaping us. They're shaping the people that God sent us to, to share the gospel with. Uh, so how do we kind of navigate these issues and think through them and talk to our kids about them and our peers about them? Uh, so we started the, the collision.org is the website, uh, yeah. kind of our home base. And then from there, we have a, a YouTube channel and we do live streams and social media. And we're constantly kind of growing, uh, growing the ministry. But really, it's just looking at kind of each week what's going on in our culture and how can we kind of bring a biblical worldview to bear on, on what's happening all around us and just make sense of it. It's so reminiscent of uh, how how Luke records in Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 17, about Paul in engaging uh, the Athenians. Can can you were you impacted by yeah. that at all? Because I feel like so much of, of what you do is a modern day version of of what Paul did. So tell us a little bit how, how the similarities there, because I know you're familiar with that passage. Yeah, that, as yeah, well. that, that passage again is a it's a below Acts 17. Yeah, uh, it's a beloved verse and it gets used in a lot of different contexts and kind of a model for evangelism. And uh, but but there's a lot of stuff going on in that uh, in that passage. I think a lot of things that uh, sometimes we just read right over. I know for a long time I didn't really stop to think too much about it. Uh, mm-hmm. but, you, you know, you have Paul in Athens in a very pagan, uh, you know, non-Christian society. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff going on that the, the Bible says, you know, he saw a city full of idols. Um, so, you know, that chapter just kind of unpacks what was his response when he sees a culture that is very much, you know, antithetical to, to the, the gospel and, uh, and the Christian uh, religion. What, you know, what do you do with that? And, it, you know, he, Paul goes and he's um, active and he's in the middle of culture and uh, the market and the, and, and the synagogue and church. And, uh, but then he, it, it talks about him going on to you know, kind of the Acropolis and the Mars Hill and just talking with the, the people of Athens and the way he does that. Uh, you know, it says he observes and he, he starts talking about the, the idols that, that he sees along the way. Mm-hmm. You kind of get the picture of him just looking around and seeing what, what are these people worshiping? What, where are they on their spiritual journey? Obviously, they're not, uh, you know, consistent with what he knew to be the truth. And, and then as he talks to them, he, he quotes two poems, uh, two pagan uh, Greek poems. And if you, if you look up the, um, you know, the actual poem itself, these are hymns to Zeus, uh, where it says, mm-hmm. you know, in him, we move and have our being and uh, you know, I think, you know, for we are his, his offspring and, uh, you know, he, he kind of uses these, these pagan poems that seem strange that he's even familiar with. I think in our current culture, this is sort of pop culture artifacts that we would encourage Christians not to have anything to do with to stay away from this very anti-Christian stuff. But he, but he uses that and in, in a very graceful way to say, Hey, this is what you, your stories and your, your mythology, this is where, this is what you're saying. And you, you kind of got part way to the truth. Let me kind of fill you in on the rest of the way. You didn't quite get to the right answer, but, but you're, you're moving the right direction as far as some uh, religion. And then he doesn't compromise in the way he shares the gospel. He's very clear yeah, on what, right. what the truth is. He doesn't, you know, just give in to, yeah, well, if that works for you, that works for you. And uh, he's very clear about it, but he uses, he kind of uses what they're familiar with, their stories, their, their poetry, their art, um, you know, as a, as a connection point. And that's kind of what we've tried to do with the collision yeah. is this, you know, some people maybe aren't uh, based on bad experiences or whatever it is, just aren't comfortable uh, necessarily to attend a, a Sunday morning service or uh, to go buy a Christian book, uh, yeah. but they do watch movies and they do listen to music and they do, they are engaged in pop culture, especially the, the younger generations today. Uh, so we've at the collision is trying to, to find those things and kind of find the half truths and in culture, find the things that are that are wrong, and then also find the ways where they got part way there, and just use that as a bridge to connect to people, to build relationships, and to 
uh, to kind of have deeper conversation. We've been able to have conversations about, uh, you know, uh, bad experiences at church, suicide, uh, depression. Uh, it's a bunch of different stuff that, you know, that all came out of like a animated movie or an action movie or whatever wow. it was. Uh, and so God's really used that. Is this a way to connect sort of this common ground uh, yeah. to, to really infiltrate and be kind of be active in the culture? When you started getting interested in like, I know you have a passion for like European rock music, for instance, did your mom and dad freak out? I mean, like, you know, did, did you ever feel like they were kind of intimidated by some of your interests? Cause you may be, you know, God designed you may be interested more in arts and culture or different things than they were at that particular time. Or did you always see just such a confident assurance that the Lord was, is true to his word. You know, when you train up a child in the way he's going to go, the child's not going to depart from it. Did you, did you see that dynamic with your mom and dad or did y'all butt heads on certain occasions? Yeah. Well, um, maybe a bit of both. I think in, in a good way, I think a bit of both. I think one of the, uh, this is the blessings I've had with my, with my parents is that they always, um, as far as I can remember, as far back when I was young, uh, they've always just trusted God and in, in the understanding that my generation is going to be different than their generation. We're not going to yeah. always agree. I know my poor father, every, it's almost every week as you know, you got to hear this song. It's the best song I've ever heard. And it's some horrible metal song. And, <laughs> and he, you know, he is just not a fan of this and he, uh, but just, you know, they, they, they did trust us to, um, you know, to, to, that we are going to be a different generation. Uh, we didn't have the wisdom always to, to navigate it uh, as wisely as we could and yeah. so there were times when they kind of uh, no you know this is actually uh, you're, you're going too far with this or have you thought yeah. more about you know the lyrics to this song and right uh, so, so they did provide the guidance it wasn't just a free-for-all by any means to uh, to get into going down you know even just my my writing fiction my fantasy yeah. I come from a, a family of you know five I think I'm a fifth generation author but the first one of them to write fiction it's, it's still very different and um, so they've always trusted that God is going to take us on a unique journey and yeah. uh, they've never pressured us to, to conform to what they, the, you know, what their journey looked like, but they were always present uh, to, to give, give advice, to give counsel, uh, sometimes give some tough love if we needed it to, to yeah. keep us in, you know, from going too far not, to help us think through it. But uh, that, that's definitely a lesson I've tried to model with my own kids. Yeah. Is going, they're going to be different than I am. Uh, they're growing up and in it, you know, where technology and stuff is even more than I ever experienced. Yeah. Uh, so how do you trust them to, to do that and be, pre be, you know, a member of their generation while also yeah. kind of having your hand on them and guiding them uh, through some of that, this murky waters. I think that was really a, a pivotal takeaway from your teaching when we were at the Billy Graham training center in Asheville, North Carolina, that, you know, you really encouraged us to engage, to not melt when, you know, there was a conversation that perhaps there was a, a song or a topic that a parent may not be comfortable with, but, you know, to, to talk, to, to dialogue, to, to act interested in whatever that particular song or movie or play or whatever that might be, and to pray for wisdom in that, in that conversation that, everything would point back to Jesus. And I know Lee and I have been really intentional as parents to do that with our children. And I'm, I'm glad that you and Sarah are doing that. And I think we're just modeling what we've seen our parents do so much. And I appreciate that honesty of, about you. Can you tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about 
your doctorate because aesthetic theology was it aesthetic theology that was yeah, Christianity and the arts kind of the philosophy yeah and yeah tell us a little bit about um how that uh bloomed and blossomed and how that has really impacted so much of your ministry now just seeing god as our creator and our lord and taking that to the study of the arts that you're doing yeah well it's, it's funny always kind of in hindsight you can see um where God was at work, but, you know, and how he was guiding every step where, you know, in the moment you, sometimes you, you don't see the whole picture. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I've, I've always loved literature. I've always loved the arts. Uh, I was an English major in college. Just, you know, I still, you know, was a very, you know, bookworm, uh, use bookstores, my favorite place in, in, you know, on earth. And this, you know, felt there's a passion for that and then graduated college and, um, but also felt the call in my life to, to minister and to, uh, to kind of do Christian ministry and went to seminary kind of training and more pastoral ministry. And, and, you know, just kind of wrestling with these two seemingly distinct uh, callings, these passions that I have and sort of, you know, do I have to choose one or the other? Do I have to be an arts person or do I have to be a, just a minister and kind of God, uh, you know, in ways that only God can to sort of wake me up to, you know, this there, you can do both. This is, I've called you both are, are you know, are an important part of your story that I've led you on. Uh, so I did my, my, uh, my doctorate on the arts kind of doing, you know, from a, from a more um, kind of ministry perspective of yeah. sort of how do you think uh, theologically and philosophically about uh, the arts, about culture. And it's, it's, it's funny because in a lot of ways, um, you know, the, the church and, and the Christian community, we know, uh, we know how impactful the arts are. Uh, you know, there's an awareness that we need to be cautious about Hollywood and, you know, this, the way that the arts are impacting people. Um, but that hasn't always necessarily led for us to, to invest a whole lot in understanding the arts or uh, encouraging Christian artists to step up and create. And uh, there's, this, there's a, somewhat of a, a disconnect. So part of, I think, you know, the reason God led me to do Christianity in the arts, and I did my dissertation uh, on literature and how literature points towards the existence of God uh, mm -hmm. kind of philosophically and, uh, you know, just using different kind of apologetics. Um, but is this to... to to be someone that can help kind of guide and encourage Christians to, to just think critically about the ways that movies are impacting our culture. Uh, you know, even if I often say, you know, I've heard people say, well, I don't, I don't watch movies. So they don't impact me. And that might be true, but it is impacting the world that we live. It's impacting the people that, that God has called us to reach. It's going to impact the world that our, our children grow up in. And so Christians do need to be, you know, to, to be aware of what's out there and how the, you know, how these stories are shaping us and, uh, and to be able to do it kind of at a, you know, at a higher level and really engage. Um, so, so, you know, God's blessed that I've, I graduated a couple of years ago. And so it's still kind of at the start of that, uh, that journey. Uh, but it, it definitely is, I think, kind of a, an important, but maybe an under um, realized area of, of the church. Do you feel like uh, the Lord may be calling you to be um, the next C.S. Lewis or uh, J.R. Tolkien? Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, I'm Tolkien is sort of my, uh, you know, my Christian hero. Uh, really? I've, you know, his 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 books. And you know, I read the Lord of the Rings every year. Uh, I start every year off by reading them just because they they nourish me so much. Uh, but just his his whole philosophy is on uh, on being creative. Uh, you know, beyond just his works that were sort of the outworking of his uh, kind of his theological convictions, has has really been one that's probably more than any other Christian writer, nonfiction or fiction 
uh, has incurred this, this, the importance of creativity and, and kind of, you know, he talks about being a sub creator, you know, we're not, we're only God can really create from mm -hmm. nothing and he's the ultimate creator. Uh, but if we're created in his image, then it's natural that we're going to be creative and want to create and kind of tap into that side. Uh, so that's, you know, that his, uh, Tolkien's works is, has really in, um, encouraged me. And I'm trying to kind of pass some of that on to, to other artists and creative types just to encourage them that it's, you don't need to be ashamed of the fact that you write poetry or literature yeah. or music and you know god gave gave you these gifts uh, how are you using those to glorify him you addressed uh, one of your modern day heroes of the faith being tolkien uh who would you say is is your hero of the faith from god's word yeah probably one of my favorite uh my favorite uh, biblical characters and we really don't know anything about him he's uh -huh. in exodus 31 and he's mentioned uh, again later uh, one other time, but Beziel, uh, he's uh, brought in by Moses to, to design and kind of oversee the, the construction of the tabernacle and the ark and, you know, a lot of the most significant uh, religious uh, locations or objects of that time, kind of God's um, physical uh, dwelling on earth and kind of in a symbolic way. Uh, so they bring Beziel in and it, it's, you know, he's a, he's an artist, he's a skilled craftsman. Yeah. And it's actually, it says, you know, he, he was filled by the spirit of God to, to do this work. And and it's the first time in the Bible that there's any mention of someone being filled with, filled with the spirit, spirit of God. Yeah. And it's an artist. It's not a prophet or a king right. or a priest or uh, it's yeah. this artist. And it's, it's just an interesting, you know, there's, there's a, a lot uh, that you can kind of meditate and, and work it, through in that passive. You know, what does that mean? What is his role? Uh, but I've always liked him just because you don't, we don't know anything about his personality. We don't know anything about uh, who he was. It was never really about him, but we do know uh, a lot about what he built and kind of yeah. the significance of that. And that's sort of what I've in some ways tried to um, aspire to in my own kind of create, creative gifts or callings or, you know, that it's really not about me. It's not about, you know, making myself known or well-known or, uh, yeah. but what am I kind of using to leave behind that, that will bless people long after I kind of, you know, exit, you know, exit stage left and I'm out of the scene. Uh, what am I leaving behind and what I, my writing, my, you know, this, the way I live my life. So he's, yeah. he's just an interesting character that I you know I yeah. maybe in heaven. I'll learn more about, I uh, got to meet him, but, yeah. uh, but I've always loved that story. Uh, yeah. Probably another one that uh, kind of goes back maybe longer is uh, uh, Joseph and his story. And it's, you know, that, you know, just the way that God, you know, he kept getting in trouble and things would happen to him. And, uh, but God always had a, had a purpose and he, he always kind of redeemed the, the pain or the suffering or, um, you know, that was his, kind of that story in the Bible uh, you know, at the end of Genesis is, is one that encouraged me a lot when I was younger. Um, you know, I, I struggled with some severe insomnia and I would go, you know, days, you know, three or four days in a row without any, in, without a single minute of sleep. And I just really affected school, affected everything in my, in my life. And that stretched on for a couple of years, um, dealing with that and just sort of taking comfort in, in that story that, you know, what, what man intended for evil, you intended for good. Uh, and, and to use that and you know that that's kind of manifested itself in in several ways and kind of in the way that God helped me overcome those uh, health struggles and uh, the first time I ever preached uh, um, I was 18 my senior in college or in high school uh, for our church had a youth Sunday and you know every year we had a preacher and I got picked I guess to, to be that my <laughs> final year uh, so I preached on that narrative and kind of unpacking so kind of my first uh, time to publicly speak and uh, in, in front of a church I was uh, using that that story so it's just sort of been one that it's kind of as my life changes as things happen it i i read that passage a little differently and it speaks yeah. to me in different ways but 
but there's just so much in just the way that he handles that and uh, Joseph handles his situations and and more than that just the way that God kind of orchestrates the whole thing that uh, you know no matter how much my life changes I'm, I'm still encouraged just as much in new ways when I come back to that passage the Lord just didn't let you sleep to get any dreams like Joseph did, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess the similarities don't go all the way. Not all the way. Dreams that I don't have. <laughs> On a more serious note, I wanted to ask you, cause you do deal with um, millennials and kind of the, the next gen uh, group. And my concern, you know, I, I do read the newspapers and, and listen to the news and the statistics of our teenagers and our, our young adults that seem to be just depressed and despairing and the suicide rates are jumping up. What do you think? I mean, besides the fact that, that so many um, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and you and I both know that that's the only hope that there is, is, is in Jesus Christ. Do you think that technology, Daniel, and the just constant saturation of social media uh, is contributing to that? What, what, are, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, it's definitely eye-opening. I think technology is a, a huge part of it. I think in ways that, um, you know, that we don't even really begin to fully understand. Like I'm, I'm a millennial, I'm an older millennial, um, but I remember, you know, the first time my family got a cell phone, uh, you know, that was, just, I was old enough to uh, 10 or something when, when that happens. So I, you know, I grew up in a digital world, but I wasn't really born into one the way that, you know, my kids are, you know, the generation after me, Gen Z yeah. um, is, and this is a lot of the, you know, like this pornography. I don't think we've seen um, mm. the impact of, of that having on people's minds and the way that that's impacting, um, you know, this people's happiness and, and fulfillment. And, you know, we haven't seen it, it's still, it's been around for a long time, but the accessibility is newer and, you know, where mm. anyone can access it at a very young age. Um, you know, we haven't seen that. And I think, you know, the, the numbers leaving the church plays a big part in that. I think, yeah. you know, sort of the disillusionment with the, with the church has left people uh, looking elsewhere to, to, to help them navigate these issues of identity and, um, you know, uh, isolation. And it's, they're looking to places that aren't providing good answers or good, good guidance that mm -hmm. uh, they're sort of, you know, in, you know, just increasing the problem rather than, than helping. So I think you know, it's obviously a messy, there's no one reason why, why it's all happening, but I think this sort of technology combined with uh, just the way that sort of the organized church and some of that has um, kind of repelled some of the, the younger generations. Is this a bad combination, uh, which, you know, for as someone that feels has a heart for the young generations, uh, just pushes yeah. me to, to take it more seriously and do kind of, you know, not just take the day off and do what I can to try and help the problem rather than uh, just kind of feeling bad about how I, you know, how things are going. What are some things that you and Sarah are implementing even now some guardrails for, because you're raising two boys, Emerson and, and Logan, uh, have y'all been talking about and probably already instilling in them uh, time limits on TV or um, technology or when are you going to give them a cell phone? You know, things, things like that, that are real practical, um, putting those guardrails into place to protect them. Yeah. We're kind of on the cusp of a lot of that. You know, we've started uh, needing to think through it more now as they're getting older and, you know, the older they get the more, uh, some of those issues are going to be, you know, we're going to have to make some tough choices and help uh, to help them navigate that. And I think it's, you know, as you know, as um, with older kids that it's, you have to, it's, you can't, 
uh, you can't just uh, turn a blind eye or ignore it. Yeah. I think even like a lot of the TV shows, um, you know, just because it's rated G doesn't mean that it's not uh, deconstructing the Christian worldview or uh, right. has very harmful material or pushing a, a, some other agenda, secular agenda that, uh, so we need to be aware of, uh, of yeah. what's out there and, uh, you know, not just, um, you know, let them go do whatever. Uh, but I, you know, so I think that is, that is extremely important. Um, but I'm, I'm also of the mindset too, that, you know, it's, that is the world they're entering into and, you know, yeah. there is a saturated world of media and digital and mm -hmm. social media. And, uh, so, you know, I, I want to limit how much of an impact that has, but, um, but also just the, you know, understanding that they need to learn to think critically through that. And, yeah. you know, I, I can shelter them for a while until they're 18, I guess, uh, or, you know, to various degrees, but at some point they're going to need to, to have learn to, to think critically about that and be aware of what's out there and uh, how to process it from a biblical worldview. Um, and obviously, you know, they're sick, so we're not having super deep philosophical conversations yet, but, but just helping them process when they watch a show and what was, yeah. what was that show about? What was, what, what did you learn from that? And usually it's just something simple. Uh, yeah. You know, they're not picking up on a lot of the stuff that's happening, but, uh, but just sort of starting more and more to just help them to, to be able to think critically through that uh, so that they're not, you know, they're not dependent on just me you know, guarding them from it all that as yeah. they get older, I can kind of trust them more to, to just navigate it on their own in a, in a healthy manner. I think that's so wonderful. So when y'all do go see a, a D Disney movie, for instance, or a new release, you're in the car talking about it afterwards, about you're, you're asking them what their takeaway was from the movie and uh, listening to where their heart is and then being able to steer that conversation. That's, that's helpful because so many parents, Daniel, just don't engage like that, even in those simple, and I think you, this is, these are pivotal years for you. These are the fundamental foundational years for y'all. And so I just want to applaud you and Sarah both for, for doing that. Yeah. And as you know, C.S. Lewis is another, uh, you know, obviously another hero of mine as, as a creative writer. And when he talks about, you know, that's the reason he wrote, uh, you know, the Narnia books, uh, it wasn't necessarily to convert uh, children into the gospel, although he, he was happy when that happened, uh, yeah. but it was just kind of planting these seeds, making these kind of concepts of the gospel familiar that when they got older and they encountered these uh, concepts and these truths again, it wasn't foreign to them. They had a, they had a kind of a foundation for it. And I think, yeah. you know, that's, that's great when it's uh, kind of, you know, Christian seeds being planted, uh, but the same is true, obviously on the other side, that a lot of these, yeah. even if they're not, if the kids aren't understanding everything in the movie, they're not grasping all these uh, social agendas or yeah. uh, political uh, things in, in films that that it is in ways that they maybe can't process themselves or articulate but it is planting these seeds early yeah. um so i think i don't think it's ever too early to to just start getting them thinking about it uh, even if you know they say they don't understand it or you know they're not picking it up uh, it, it it does matter these are the stories that are kind of shaping the way that they and sometimes i think if we wait too long it's these seeds are in there so deep that it's just it's tricky to help them process it at that point. No, it's so it is so, and we have to be so hands-on and intentional. And I just, I'm encouraged to see your heart as a dad uh, in that same way that I'm sure your dad and your and your grandfather, because you're not just going to leave a legacy. You're you're living a legacy, and uh, it's just beautiful to watch your faithfulness and your decision daily just to maintain that discipline of obedience to Him. And I think. Our viewers are going to see that in you, Daniel. I know our um, listeners will. And as they read your books and just see the depth of insight that the Lord's given you, your 
truly a gift uh, to uh, this generation and the next generation. And, and we are just so honored to know you. In closing, how may we pray for you? Because I know the Lord is constantly giving you creative ideas. Uh, how may we pray for you in, in upcoming projects? Um, yeah, I think maybe just um, just helping uh, you know, pray that God just gives me some clear direction on, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely an idea person. I've, I feel a lot of passions for things and it's just uh, kind of trying to seek God as far as how, how do I invest my time? How do I, um, you know, what, you know how, how do you want, how does God want to use these callings of mine and in the most effective way uh, possible? And, and I think also just, you know, some of the, you know, I love talking about cultural issues and writing about it, uh, but you also get into some, um, some serious issues and, and topics. And, uh, and I just, you know, I feel a, a, a burden to, I, I want to make sure that I'm giving God's truth and that I'm, I'm not uh, steering people further astray with my own opinions on things. And, uh, you know, as I'm rest, trying to wrestle with some serious issues, so just uh, maybe just pray that God can kind of continue to, to grow me uh, and, and help me to work through these issues so that I can kind of pass that on uh, in a way that it is helpful to a generation that, that desperately needs uh, encouragement and then also guidance. We definitely will. Thank you for being with us and viewers and listeners. I want you to check out Dr. Daniel Blackaby's resources. We are going to have them listed uh, in this whole podcast, uh, vlogcast little package. Uh, I definitely would love for y'all to watch his live stream on Tuesdays. And Daniel, remind our viewers and listeners when y'all do that live stream, you and your brother-in-law, which I think is another great testimony of your family, just the, the harmony that, that your parents have created among uh, the children, uh, you and your brother and, and your sister, and then now your spouses is just so fun to watch. But tell our viewers and listeners how they can check out uh, The Collision. Yeah, well, the Collision Live every Tuesday at noon Eastern time uh, on Facebook and on our YouTube channel, uh, which you can find both those at thecollision.org. Um, we do a live stream about 30 minutes just talking about what's going on in culture, um, asking questions. Sometimes we're giving answers. Sometimes we're just trying to raise some questions for, for thought. Uh, but we always encourage people if they're watching live or if, they, if you guys are watching it later on after it's aired okay. uh, to post comments and just have, you know, have these conversations and kind of work through these issues each week together. Um, so yeah, every Tuesday at, at noon Eastern time, we have our live stream and it's, it's always fun. <laughs> we always get some interesting topics to talk about. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it as a parent. It does provide some incredible uh, helps uh, through the movies and uh, just current topics and things that are going in, some things that I'm not even aware of until I watch your show. And so it makes me even more uh, educated on, on some of the events. So thank you for your attentiveness to what's happening now. And I just think that's so important. But we appreciate you, Daniel Blackaby. Thank you so much for your heart for the Lord Jesus and uh, for your faithfulness to your family. And uh, we are just grateful that you would give of your time and your talents with us today. And I just pray that uh, the Lord continues just to shine his favor upon you as you are just so diligent to shine the, the spotlight on him. Well, thank you so much for having me.